When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the Sooner Sports Podcast. Your all-access pass to Sooner Sports. The Sooner Sports Podcast is presented by Allstate. Are you in good hands? And by Riverwind Resort. Riverwind Resort, the place to be. Oh, mama! What a play! Now, here's your host, Chris Plank. Handoff sermon. Beers left. He's got the first down, and he breaks away to the 40, 35, cuts far sideline, 30, 25, 20, 15, to the 10, to the 5, into the end zone, the minister, Breach, unhitch the wagon and put the ponies in the barn. All right, welcome into the game plan edition of the Sooner Sports Podcast. Along with the voice of the Sooners, Toby Rowland, I'm Chris Plank, and another gray hair inducing voice losing win on what a Saturday. Season. I don't know if my heart can take much more of this. <laughs> well, I got bad news for you. It's gonna happen again on TCU's Saturday. TCU's good. <laughs> I saw this stat, not to oops, not to completely get away from the game plan here on the show, so to speak. But OU's five games against TCU since the Horn Frogs joined the Big Twelve have been decided by a total of 21 points, mm. an average of 4.2 per game, with the largest uh, largest margin in that time being just seven points. Hmm. So you have facts to back you up there, They've Toby. played great games against each other. You had the two-point knockdown by Stephen Parker uh, a couple of years ago that, that kept Oklahoma's hopes for a college football playoff alive. Last year was a great comeback by OU in, uh, in Fort Worth. There was the Trevor Knight pick six game. In Fort Worth. Oh, yeah. Um, Wait, was that e- Even back beyond that, you know, it was TCU before they were in the Big 12 that beat OU here in a season opener. So uh, TCU has always played OU tough. It's funny. I tell the story a lot, but when Gary Patterson and TCU did their first round of Big 12 media days the first year they came through, I'll never forget him saying, wow, we just – we gotta. Well, it'll take us a couple of years. We gotta get the right athletes in there. And by year two, they w- were competing for the yeah. <laughs> not just the conference championship, but in the national championship picture too. I think you could argue that no school that made the conference changes um, has benefited more than TCU. 
Uh, I would agree. They go Mountain West to Big 12 and have flourished. Uh, Now, their basketball has struggled until last year they got decent, and this year I think they were picked third in the preseason Big 12 poll. But I I didn't realize they'd won the NIT last year. Won the NIT. Their baseball team obviously has has been off the charts good. You know, you could argue – I don't have to say they've dominated this league, but because Tech's been really good too. Yeah. But they've been they've been great, and football has been good. But you look at the other schools that have made switches, um, you know, the Missouri's and Nebraska's and Rutgers and A and M and uh, Colorado and Utah and I'm leaving some out. West Virginia. Um, I think maybe TCU has benefited the most or or flourished the most with the conference change of any school out there. They've been good for the Big Twelve. Yeah, they have. Now, I would like a game that's well-decided in the uh, fourth quarter so we can enjoy ourselves a bit, but historically that's not going to be the case this weekend. Not going to be the case I at all. think, Chris, we are uh, – listen, I'm still tired. You're probably still tired from uh, Saturday. It's Monday afternoon as we do this, and that was an emotional long night in Stillwater for everyone. But I think by the time Saturday gets here, um, we're in for a special night. I really do. I think so too. I think that the time of the game – uh, now that we know it's a primetime game, what's on the line, uh, the fact that these two teams are tied for first in the Big 12, uh, how OU played last week uh, in Bedlam has Sooner fans juiced. And then Baker goes and does what he does on Monday and tells people it's time for a new uh, – there. it's time for a new standard bearer as far as nights that we look at to as the craziest. For too long, we've looked at that Texas Tech game and said, can we duplicate that? He basically said, all right, let's make this the new standard bear. Um, I, that'll, it's, that'll one thing, it's one thing if it comes from a head coach, and, I, and it means something. But it, I think it means even more coming from Baker Mayfield because people can have an issue with a coach here or there. I don't like the way he calls plays, or I don't agree with this, or we agree there is no one who wears the crimson and cream who th- has anything but adoration for Baker Mayfield right now. Mm-hmm. And if Baker says, I'm giving it my all every week, I need you to match me Saturday night, I think we're in for a zoo. I think it's going to be a zoo here, and I can't wait. I hope it is anyway. The way he did it, too, was great. I don't know if, if you've had a chance to see it yet, but uh, a regular on your show, Eddie Radosevich, usually ends Baker's – segment, if you will, with the media with, depending on how you look at it, either an incredibly creative and funny question or sometimes a cringe-worthy note that he wants to add just to make sure that everyone feels uncomfortable. It's Eddie. It's great. He's capable of that. He's very capable. So Eddie asks his question and Baker's like, no, Eddie. And Mike Houck, with anything else, Baker goes, I've got something. Mm -hmm. And it's just one of those moments where you're like, okay. And I'm kind of waiting just to, to set the whole scene. I'm just waiting, and I like to listen to Baker. I'm kind of immersing myself in these final, after today, three press conferences, maybe two, right? Because we don't do one after the last game, I don't think. There will be a bowl, bowl press, press conference right. at some point. Right, yeah. but but at least for my role in doing mm-hmm. the interviews, it, this might be like one of the last two or three I ever get with Baker Mayfield. And so I'm just sitting there waiting to do my interview, and I'll kind of be stepping to the side – and when I heard him say, wait, I've got something else, put the mic down, walked right over, and was like, all right. <laughs> That's about to get good. What, what, what are, we, are, are, we, are we calling someone out for something that happened in Bedlam? No. Is he going to talk about uh, an injury or the Heisman? Or, and when he went 
all in on getting people fired up for Saturday night. I just – my jaw dropped and I was fired. I was ready to be it's there gonna now. It's going to be great. I, I, you know, we've seen some special environments. And, and I always – you know, I'm a little reluctant about the jump around game because the jump around game was a set of circumstances that came together. Yep. And it happened to be that it was a blowout in the first half and there was no tension in the building. <laughs> and that's what allowed people to jump around because there was, there was no nervousness to be right. had. And there's been some great atmospheres here since then – in which there was too much tension and drama in the building for it to match that level. I mean, it was, you know, the the Ohio States and Florida States and Notre Dames and some of the great non-conference matchups we've had here that were fun. Uh, but I think at least early in that game, really the whole way through that game, they'll answer. Sooner fans are great, and they'll answer the call. And they know this isn't UTEP. This isn't Tulane. It matters. It's November, and this is when you go for championships. And they'll answer the call Saturday night. I believe it. It's going to be a fun. It's going to be a fun night. I had a problem with people leaving early last week. I thought the well, the last home game. I thought the atmosphere was great to start with, but it was almost as if they reached a point where, like, all right, bands there. We got our ooh first quarter dicey. Oh, we got to lead at half. We're good. All right, we're going to hit head for the house. I don't think we'll have that problem come Saturday night. And you know, I I hate to get all reminisce reminiscing on things, but. There's only two more home games with Baker Mayfield as the quarterback for Oklahoma. And if you, I guess we could continue. There's only two more home games with Stephen Parker in a Sooner uniform. There's only potentially two more home games for Orlando Brown in a Sooner uniform. Oboe Okronkwa, who has become such a major part of this team. Emmanuel Beal, the Jordan Thomases. So uh, I, I, I think we spend so much time waiting for college football. And, and talking about it and previewing it and overanalyzing it, Toby, that you blink when you get to the season. You're like, oh, no, there's only three games left in the season. Now, the hope is that there'll be at least four, potentially five, and hopefully six right uh, games fantastic. left in the season because that means you're playing for a championship. But the reality is there's only eight more quarters, hopefully, two more games of Baker Mayfield left here in Norman. Yeah. Crazy to think about, isn't it? It is, and um... – you know, I think people appreciate what he's done. I think that the guy has a really good chance to get a statue. Um, not you know, and that's hard to do, man. Winning a Heisman Trophy is hard to do, and I think what he did on Saturday puts him in the lead. And I think if if he can take care of business here down the stretch, he's going to win the thing. And also, he's got a really good chance when we all get when we gather up all the final numbers. Um, whatever he does with his team accomplishments this year, and add it up, there's a really good chance that he's going to be considered the greatest of all time in OU football history. Quarterbacks, I'm talking about. So he's still playing. You've got a chance. You've got two games left. I'm not trying to sell tickets here. These are going to be sellouts. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah. If you've got tickets, thank your lucky stars that you could see this guy play two more games. Yep. And if you don't, beg, scratch, and claw and see if you can get some or get near a TV or lean into that radio because this is one of the greats. This is They're going to talk about this kid for decades to come. You know, the way that we ask our parents, what was it like to watch Steve Owens run? Or tell me about Billy Vessels in his prime. Or my kids say, why was Billy Sims so good to me? And I get to t- – that's the way we're going to talk about Baker Mayfield someday. 
um, the special plays that we saw him make, the special moments we saw him have, the flag plant, all of it goes into his legacy, which will be one of the one of the best in Sooner history. Ah. <sighs> Wow, I'm I'm already excited thinking about next week, and we haven't even really started to recap last week. I'm in that group. I've got my my whole family decided to come in town this weekend, so I'm in the the StubHub world. I'm in the ouch. <laughs> I'm in the Craigslist world right now, <laughs> and I told him like, listen, you guys you guys could come later in this. I mean, you can come to West Virginia if you want. It might be, but I could get you tickets in Lawrence. I can get you tickets in Lawrence. <laughs> Why don't you come hang out this say, Yeah, this has been a fun week for me. Uh, I didn't realize Jeff Bedette had bowled over a cheerleader. Yeah. Did you see that? I, I saw that on Twitter today. She tweeted out like a picture on crutches, and Bedette apologized to her on Twitter. I hadn't seen it. Yeah. I, had, I, I didn't just, know he, that he did that on – I knew he was a little hobbled after that play. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know there was a cheerleader the guy. Right, and then he had hurt his hand uh, and then went back into the game. But, I mean, if we're talking receivers on Saturday, how about the emergence of Marquise Brown? Holy smokes, man. Yeah. Um, he's so fast. And what an added weapon. Like, really, halfway through the – three games ago, he was having an okay year. I mean, he had he had the long touchdown against Tulane. But other than that, you know, you could count on him for two or three catches a game. But – I mean, it was C.D. Lamb that was the star, and still is. Right. Uh, but here comes Marquise Brown with the big game against K-State, another nice game against Tech, and then the other night, OSU didn't have a chance. I mean, they just couldn't They couldn't stay with him. And to Baker's credit, he kept hitting him in stride, and if you're going to hit Marquise Brown in stride, ball game, it's over. I mean, he's just faster than you are. So what a weapon you add now. To C.D. Lamb, who's still a superstar. To Mark Andrews, who's really good. Um, you know, and Jeff Bedette's making plays, and Michael Jones is making plays, and all three running backs are making plays. And Baker's got toys. And Marquise Brown, Hollywood, as Hollywood. Gus calls him. Hollywood is uh, the shiniest toy right now. We have to come up with nicknames, both Jess and I do, for uh, almost every play. Well, I shouldn't say. There's five players that we have to come up with nicknames for because in their mind. For Spotlight? For Spotlight. Okay. Sorry, I didn't give that disclaimer. And um, I didn't realize how it's easy when you're like, oh, he's Hollywood. Well, if you have to sit there and think about it, you're like, yeah. oh, so what do I what do I say? What do I call him? Right. Like, do, do I call him something because he looks like a certain Is person? Is there anyone we already have a name for? That's what I'm um, – Rodney Anderson – Caleb Kelly, Austin Seibert, Lincoln Riley, and Teddy Lehman are the five that we need to come up with nicknames for. Buttkiss. Buttkiss is easy. I'm already – Jessica, that's ours. You can't have that. Uh, Link, is that not good enough for uh, – how about Mule Shoe? Mule Shoe isn't bad. Seeing that I'm, I'm coming up with these – Ronnie Anderson and Caleb Kelly, I'm not a fan of the high school musical. I don't know. It's not something my kids are into. But there's a character named Danforth. But both of them look like him. Okay. So you can't like say, well, he looks more like him than the other one because Caleb Kelly and Rodney Anderson still haven't seen him in the same place at the same time. They, they, they Do you think could... enough people have seen that that they would understand the reference? Exactly. I don't think they would. And I Googled it to where oh, I'll Google Danforth to see if that – and it didn't uh, – it shows some Republican right. somewhere. So, yeah, I've got a challenge hmm. in front of me over the next couple of hours. But Hollywood, 
has stuck with Marquise Brown. Yeah. Gus Johnson came or didn't come up with that. He right, but tagged it, him with that. And and it's it just kind of shows you his mentality. And I'm going back to Marquise here, speaking of nicknames, because you meant fast, flashy moves. I mean that little hesitation move that he pulled where he waited for the defensive back. He stopped and kind of did the DD on the mm-hmm. sideline against Oklahoma State last year. Mm-hmm. Uh and and then he wore, here well wear the gold grill. You got complete updates on that this morning. Thank you very you? much for that. I didn't know about that. Um, but I just it kind of that's that's him. But isn't that supposed to be like any receiver? Is isn't every receiver supposed to be a little Hollywood and a little bit like that? A lot of them are. <laughs> yeah, most Shep of, was. Most of them are uh, wide receivers and defensive backs tend to be the loudest. Yeah, that's for sure. I don't know that. Uh, I don't know. Is CD a talker? You're down there more than. I am. CD's a dancer. Okay. CD's a dancer. What about Bidette? Uh, Bidette's kind of a quiet dude. Mm-hmm. Their big talker over there appears to be Marquise Brown and maybe a Charleston Rambo, mm-hmm. uh, who I think we'll see quite a bit next year. I really do. Um, but with Baker that, Mayfield likes to talk. Yeah. Well, there's <laughs> basically, if you want to talk about the OU sideline, who likes to talk? Baker Mayfield. <laughs> That's right. You know, if you were looking at guys that talk like Baker uh, oboe, but oboe is it's it's very unique because it's never, hey we're gonna do this, hey we're gonna do that. It's always learning. Q Overton, really, uh, Marquez Overton has become uh, quite the talker over there, and, and and all this is in a good way. Jordan Thomas has always been, and uh, let's see if I can add a fifth there. I need to get an offensive guy in there. Orlando Brown, Orlando mm-hmm. Brown, who's really emerged as a leader. I'm glad I get excited when they bring over Orlando for the interviews, Toby, because he's one of those guys. That I think is Trent Williams esque, Jamal Brown esque, uh, Daryl Williams from that mold of guys, Donald Stevenson that we're going to be talking about for years to come in the league. I just, I don't think. I think Bobby Evans is too. I think Bobby Evans is too. I Maybe absolutely. Maybe Samia. You know, of all the injuries, that one didn't. That get, one didn't get asked about. Didn't mm-hmm. get asked about. Of course, he gave an but update. But that didn't get asked about either. Lincoln gave an update on Khalil Houghton and said he's out. Mm hmm. And he goes, and that's all the information I have on injuries. And so I would assume well, he did say Neville Gallimore is expected back. Thank you. He, mm-hmm. Right before he said Houghton was out, he said Nev's back. So that means, if my memory serves me correct, Samia, uh, Jordan Thomas, and Jeff Bidette. He was asked about Jordan Thomas later, and said uh, that he was questionable. He, he was going to have to see how the week went. I get the sense that Jordan would be fine to go on Saturday. That's my gut. Not my doctor, mm-hmm. my gut. Um, it will be interesting, of all the things to look forward to on Saturday, how that depth chart shakes out at cornerback. Right. Because Parnell Motley didn't get hurt on Saturday. No. And they shifted things around. And he came back. Yeah. Uh, he had to final because, because of Jordan. Yeah, they were well. Yeah, and they just put a bunch of DBs back out there that <laughs> yeah. when the final forty-five seconds. Um, it's fascinating. You know, Trey Brown and, and Trey Norwood got a shot there late, and it looked like played pretty well. Trey Norwood made a couple of plays uh, where he knocked passes down and made some tackles. Um, I, Merv, uh, we asked Rufus and Teddy after the game on the radio, would you go with the Trays this week? And they both hesitantly said, yes. You know, at this point, why not? What's it, what are you going to lose? Um, they played pretty well. Let's give them a shot. Maybe it's lightning in a bottle. Merv was a little more subdued about it, saying, 
you know, let's let's hold our horses a little bit because TCU isn't Oklahoma State. They might not be taking 50-yard shots down the field every other play. And so maybe the strengths, you know, these two guys could fly. Norwood and Brown could really run. But maybe what TCU does offensively fits the skill set and knowledge set of Jordan Thomas and Parnell Motley, or one of the two, better. So let's see how it plays out in practice this week, which I thought was a good point. You know, uh, if you just need a guy to get out there and, and stay step for step with James Washington, Trey Brown's probably your guy. I mean, he can he can run now. Right. Um, but if you need a guy to figure out what the blocking pattern is going to be on a pick screen, on a flat pattern that – they haven't seen as much as Jordan Thomas and Parnell Motley have. Maybe maybe you don't want them out there. So it will be interesting to see who plays Saturday. I kind of think we're going to see all of them if if Thomas is okay to go. I kind of think we're going to see all of them at, at some point. Oklahoma State still put 31 up on TCU whenever they play uh, and TCU beat them. The uh, Horn Frogs only lost game two weeks ago against Iowa State. They bounced back to beat Texas 24-7 to last week. But to your point, I also don't think – they have that Josh Doxson type receiver. I mean, I I could be proven wrong, and they have a guy that comes out and makes ten catches for two hundred yards. But it just it doesn't appear as if they have that even James Washington type yeah. receiver. Either. I think so, you're I mean, right. I, yeah. I think they've leaned more on the run game this year. Number one against the run too. And they have, and they know Gary Patterson knows his defense is good enough that if he plays field position football, doesn't turn it over, most Saturdays he's going to win. And um, that's a solid strategy. But the question is, does it work against Baker Mayfield in Oklahoma? Because the Oklahoma offense is a different beast. And um, and I think the TCU defense is a different beast than perhaps anything Oklahoma's seen this year. I, I think I, That's not fair. Ohio State's really good, right. and they got a lot of pros. And so I think it's maybe comparable to that. Not too far. You know, Texas was really good too. But TCU's good, and they've got – Confidence right now on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, they've got chemistry on that side of the ball. Uh, they're playing good. I think you'll see a lot of misdirection from Oklahoma on Saturday night. TC really flies to the ball well. They they pursue really well. So I think you'll see OU try to make them look one way and go the other way, um, use their pursuit and their aggression against them a little bit. Two quick ones. Mm-hmm. you expect any surprises tonight when the 14 playoff rankings are released? I hope not. I would like for OU still to be on the outside. Just the mentality thing, you know. Gotcha. I, I'm not I like at you. all worried about them being in the top four if they went out. But I think if you're on the outside, you still kind of feel disrespected. And I like it when OU feels disrespected. So I hope they're five. Second, do you have a favorite moment from Saturday night? Do you have anything that's going to stay with you from that trip? I think about big what trips. What's yours while I think? Well, you think – well, I mean, I'm not just saying this because you're here, but everything about it, meeting at, <laughs> at the Walmart, the trek up with you and Peyton, uh, listening to games when we're coming back, stopping at a gas station in Stillwater that uh, was defeated Oklahoma State fans and, and <laughs> fired up Oklahoma fans. But as far as the game is concerned, I think seeing Lincoln Riley react when he saw that the play was going to get overturned mm-hmm. is going to stay with me because – we were still trying to figure it out. We had people tweeting us, texting us, and immediately he knew. He's like, all right, get your helmet back on to Stephen Parker. Let's go. We're going to have to get back out of here and do this. And I don't know why, but it was just in that moment the calm 
mm-hmm. of probably realizing that I don't think there's many people, if you put truth serum in them, that didn't think we were in big trouble whenever that call got overturned because you can just see it in your head. And then to see the way the defense rallied, I mean, I, that, that to me is what's going to stay with me. Uh, the scores are great, Baker's performance, everything about it, but just that moment whenever it was completely and totally grasped that, oh, no, we're going to have to go back out there when we think we just won the game, that emotional swing. I don't know. I just thought that was something else. Um, I have two. One is I had a massive headache. Did you really? All day Saturday. I woke up with a headache, and it got worse as the day went along. And once I started calling the game, it bloomed into a migraine. Oh, man. And every time I would, there would be a big play and I'd hit it, I would, like, go blind for about a second and a half. It was, it was that bad. Wow. And we got into the third quarter, and it was almost – it was terrible. And there's a feeling – I don't know if – do you suffer from migraines? I have thankfully never suffered from them. They're they're awful. There's a feeling, though, that when it starts to break, and sometimes you just got to get the right concoction of medication, and I was trying everything. (laughs) And there's a feeling that starts, for me anyway, at the base of my neck. Mm -hmm. I feel this kind of warm sensation start to come up, and I know, oh, thank God, (laughs) I'm about to get relief. And it was right as the fourth quarter started. Oh, wow. And – just the feeling of a, that my head stopped pulsing so that you could call the, enjoy the fourth quarter of this game was great. So that's one. <laughs> wow. I'll never forget. I, re- I just remember that feeling on the back of my neck and going, oh, yes, Thank relief you. is coming. <laughs> um, but the fact that this game in which there were 114 points scored Baker Mayfield had the biggest passing day in OU history. Marquise Brown had the biggest receiving day in OU history. Um, all the numbers that OSU put up, 62-52. Highest scoring game ever between OU and OSU. That it came down to the defense having to stop Mason Rudolph and Oklahoma State with four true freshmen and three true freshmen in the defensive backfield. <laughs> And they did it. They did it. That's the greatest. That's the moment that I think it was the highlight for me. They they got the ball back after the targeting call on the 40-yard line, 45. Mm-hmm. Plenty of time. First down. OU's got some weird concoction of personnel on the field because <laughs> some of them are hurt. Some of them aren't playing well. I swear, Chris, you were playing safety. <laughs> I don't know who was out there. They got no chance. They haven't stopped the Cowboys all night. There's no chance that they're getting a stop here. And on four plays, boom, 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 off the field, and they won the game. Awesome. Preach. Preach. That viral, man, that that thing went viral. Teddy, got, Teddy went viral before the game, and we were worried about it. We're like, great, and then uh, everything worked out okay. <laughs> Teddy. What are we going to do with that guy? I don't know. Just uh, – Maybe suit him up. They might have needed him on Saturday night at one point. Okay, I've kept you way too long. It was a fun night. I'm glad the migraine went away. Ugh, I'm glad you're healthy. Uh, it's going to be a fun week, man. Uh, thanks for all the time as always, and we'll have to talk to you all for Friday's podcast, I think. All right, sounds good. Get rolling. All right, Secrets. Lincoln Riley's press conference is right now. Um, obviously, great great win this weekend. Um, you know, an emotional win for our team. Uh, was a 
in a big, big game, big atmosphere. Uh, that both teams really played their hearts out, uh, and it was just uh, it was a great college football game. It really was. Um, going back and looking at it, just the uh, just a lot of quality plays, a lot of great football players on that field. Um, you know, I thought all sides of the ball for really both teams had different different times where they played really well. Um, it was kind of a back and forth game, as as everybody saw, but. Really proud of the fight and resiliency of our group to, to, again, to find a way to get it done. And at the end of the day, that's what matters. And uh, we've put ourselves in, in good position here uh, going in here to this next one against TCU. Obviously, one of the best football teams in the country right now. And I think, uh, in my opinion, probably will be the most complete team that we've played up to this point. Uh, they're... They're they're really tremendous. They're you know defensively you know playing so well. Uh, you know Coach Patterson's done a, a great job there for a long time defensively. But the this group in particular has really taken off. They they've got you know probably the most experienced secondary in the conference, and and that shows. I think I think I read they've got over 160 combined starts in that secondary, um, and you can tell they're they're playing very very well there. Uh, coverage. Uh, uh, mixing it up, doing all the things that he likes to do, um, and they're doing it very well. And and then they're you know doing a great job at the line of scrimmage too. You know they've got a, a kid that transferred in from I believe Louisiana Monroe that's playing really really well for them. Been one of the best pass rushers in the conference. Uh, middle linebacker Howard's back, who's a tremendous player. Um, so they're playing well on defense. People have had a hard time moving the ball on them. People have had a lot hard time scoring on them. And uh, so there'll be a great challenge, as good a challenge as we've faced offensively, uh, for sure. Uh, offensively, you know, uh, Kenny Hill's back, doing a really, really nice job for them this year. I think he's a much improved player. Uh, you can tell just being in their system with them a little bit longer, he, he's more comfortable. So he's had a nice run here, as had, you know, their running backs, Hicks and Anderson. You know, they're, you know, a, a, a really, really nice duo there in the backfield. Um, they've probably got as much or more, you know, speed and twitch as anybody that we've played offensively, talking about the skill positions. You know, they've, They've got just a lot of guys that can really move well, and they create a lot of different space for them to, to allow them to, to go to work. Uh, and then special teams-wise, you know, the guy that stands out, you know, the returner, Turpin, I mean, is probably the best one in the country. I mean, he's, he's tremendous. He can, he can make things happen on its own. Even when things aren't blocked up perfectly, he's that dynamic of a guy. So they, they present... A, a lot of different challenges. They're a really, really good football team. Um, it's going to be, I think, a lot like last week. You know, two good teams going at it. It uh, should be a, a great, great atmosphere uh, here Saturday night. And uh, hopefully, our fans are getting juiced up about it. I know they are, and uh, um, and so it should, should be a lot of fun. Uh, Injury-wise, uh, the only information I've got for you is uh, Khalil Houghton will be out this week. Uh, uh, we do expect <clears throat> Neville Gallimore back. Uh, and I don't have any information for you on anybody else. What about any change in the secondary? Uh, you know, we made some changes there. Uh, obviously, as the game went on, you know, got Trey Norwood in there who played really well. Uh, Trey Brown came in there at the end and did some nice things. Um, so we're gonna, you know, we're gonna go through this week, see how those guys perform. But we're, you know, there's certainly a lot of positions there that. Uh, I would say up for grabs right now, you know, and, and we're going to let those guys compete it out. And if those freshmen continue to play the way they did, then, uh, you know, then they're certainly going to be out there and get opportunities. Lincoln, overall, how well did your offensive line play in the game? You know, it wasn't one of our best games, honestly. Uh, just, just okay. And, and we've got a high standard, you know what I mean? We, 
uh, for those guys. So uh, we, we played well enough for us to still, you know, score points and move the ball, you know, most of the day. Uh, but uh, we, we would expect to play better there. And so uh, and give, give Oklahoma State's D-line credit. They did a nice job, uh, mixed some things up on us. And uh, so, uh, but yeah, we, we, did not, we did not play as well as we would expect to play there. Lincoln on those cornerbacks, how, how much have you guys kind of missed having competition there? I think it's fair to say, you know, I, I, I told you guys right after the, the uh, you know, Jordan got hurt in the first game, you know, Jordan Parker, that that, that, was, that was a big one, you know. Um, it's given some more reps to these true freshmen and probably allowed them to grow a little bit faster um, and, uh, and to probably be ready for a moment like they both were the other night. Uh, but no, you, you missed that competition. That was something we were really counting on coming into this year of having, you know, you know, at least right there at the top, Motley and JT and Jordan Park are all really good players and all guys that have, you know, played a bunch and only two of them are going to be on the field. So we, we were really, we were hoping that spot could be kind of like what we have at offensive line right now, you know, where the competition's so good that if one of them's not on their A game, we, you know, Bill grabs them and tosses them out and we throw the next guy in. And so, uh, you know, that's, that, I think it's been a factor and it's something that, you know, we're looking to continue to build in recruiting because we want to have that kind of depth across the board. How do you think Parnell will re respond to this? It's week 10 and now, you know, a lot of positions are up for grabs. How do you expect him to deal with this? I think he'll respond well. He's, uh, he's a competitor. You know, I think, I think some of his use showed up a little bit the other day as far as, you know, you can't, it, you don't like getting beat, but you can't, you got to understand why you're getting beat. Sometimes you get beat because a guy made a great play, and you can't let that change how you play the next three quarters of the game. And I thought at times, uh, us in the secondary in particular did that a little bit. We let them make a couple competitive plays that, hey, sometimes you got to live with those and get in the best position and go make the competitive play, but you can't, you can't overcorrect. And we overcorrected, and Purnell did that too. But he'll learn, he'll grow, he's competitive. Uh, he's a really, really good player, and uh, he'll he'll be much better for it. What's changed or allowed Marquise Brown to elevate his game this last few weeks? Just opportunities, I think. He's, uh, you know, it's like I said after. I, I feel like he's just gotten more comfortable. Uh, we've gotten more comfortable with him. He's able to play more reps, and uh, and he's making more plays um, as the reps go up. Um, so yeah, he's done a great job. I told somebody on the teleconference earlier. You guys hadn't asked me about his weight here in a while, so uh, nobody, no, nobody's worried about that now. He weighs about half about how many yards he had the other day. <laughs> Orlando said he hasn't gotten that Marquise hasn't gotten much bigger. Do you see a noticeable shift in where he was in the spring versus where he is now? In his size? Mm -hmm. Not really. I mean, he's strong though. I mean, he's he's kind of wiry strong, you know. He's kind of. He's he, he he plays tough out there. He's got strong hands. He, so he's you know his weight's not an issue. Baker compared him really to Baker compared him to DD a little bit and said that Marquise is a lot faster. He just has another gear. Where do you kind of see those comparisons? Well, he's not a lot faster. I mean, DD's pretty fast. Um, Marquise is a little faster. You know, DD's a little bit bigger. You know, a little taller. Um, but the way they play. Um, the way they attack the ball and are able to keep speed up while still catching the ball. Some of the things they do route-wise are very similar. Last year when you guys got hot, it was you could run the ball, you could throw an intermediate, and you had Didi as a home run threat. Does Marquis' emergence kind of 
get you guys back to that level? Yep. Yeah. No, there's no doubt. It's that having that deep threat, you know, and, and we've got a few guys that give us that. You know, Marquise gives us that. Jeff Bedette gives us that. You know, I think CD can give us that. Um, so we've got we've got some good deep threats. We've got a nice little mix going on right now. Does it frustrate you that the national reaction to the game the other day was more, it seemed, more anti-deep, anti-Big 12 defense than positives? It's just, again, it's uneducated. You know, when we, when we play, you know, when we sit here and play our conference every single week and we play great offenses every single week, we've seen what happens. We've also seen, again, going back to the bowl games last year, there's one conference that gave up under 20 points a game. That was the Big 12, where everybody's playing out a conference team. So, you know, people want to talk about all that. You know, we didn't have any problem uh, moving the ball against SEC defenses. One, you know, I'm one of the best ones in the country last year in the bowl game. So w- when you play great offenses week in and week out, and when the other teams know you're playing great offenses, you know, people are going to be more aggressive. I, people are more aggressive against us, I promise you, because they know they're probably going to have to score some points to win. And so it's, it's, a, it's a little bit of a different mindset. It's a different set of challenges. So it's, uh, you know, again, I think it's a, an uneducated comment when people make that. You've seen a lot of great quarterbacks. You've been around some. You coach them. What does Baker rank in the conversation? Uh, I mean, he's uh, yeah. I mean, he he's the best one I've ever coached. Yeah. I mean, and and probably the best one I've been around. You know, just the complete package. I've had I've been around other guys that maybe did some a, f- a few things better here or there, but you talk about the total package of of you know intelligence of of arm talent of leadership, drive, being able to move. I mean, he's, yeah, he's, he's the most complete one I've been around. If you were, if this was your first year as head coach, you're still offensive coordinator, still quarterback coach, but you were having to break in a new quarterback, how much tougher would this season be on you? Depends who the quarterback was. <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, it's been great to have him here, no, no question about it, so I don't discount that. Um, I don't know. That's hard for me to answer. Marquise had a the halfback pass at Texas. He kind of ran from Trey Sermon. He kind of ran sideways, doesn't end up scoring. And then Saturday, really just he's taken off north and south. Did you guys have any conversations with him after that that pass against Texas about just no. taking off? And well, those are two. Speed? Yeah, those are those are just two totally different deals. I mean, there's one thing of catching the ball in stride and catching it while you have momentum. I mean, he had to turn and flip his hips completely to catch the ball against Texas and had a couple guys bearing down on him. I don't think he'd have ran away from the guys at Texas. So, you know, if we see something on that, will we coach him up? Yes, but you don't want to make them hesitant. They've, they've got to do what they see, and they've got to if, – if they're sitting there thinking about it, then sometimes that's when you, when you have issues. So um, I felt like he made the right decision both times. Lincoln, you guys at the end of the half, yeah, I think you got 33 seconds, you came back on the field, mm-hmm. and you decided just – knee it. Why did you decide to do that and not see what you could get? Yeah, we, we thought about it. We had some conversations. I think we had one timeout left. Is that right? Um, and uh, so we called the play. You know, we figured they were going to be in a drop coverage. So we called the run that we thought we had a pretty good chance of popping. And if we would have popped it, we probably would have stayed on a little bit longer. But, you know, the game was wearing on. And, and I just felt like it was we were at a point where it was good to get in at half. I knew I felt like we were going to be able to regroup a little bit as a team. And uh, and so that was that's when we made the decision. Lincoln, you talk about regrouping. It seems like the last three games, probably the adjustments that y'all made in defense have made a, a big change. How important has that been? Just the ability to react 
to what happens uh, early in games and figure out a different way to attack things? Yeah, no, it's been been critical for us. I mean, and, and again, you've got to in this league. I mean, offenses are good. You know, people scheme you up. I mean, you're going to see different things than what you've seen on tape. That's just, and that's every single week. So. You've got to be able to do it. You've got to be able to adjust. The kids have got to be able to handle it. And our, our guys have done a good job of that here for several weeks in a row. Lincoln, how much is Hill running the ball? How much is the quarterback run game involved with TCU? That's, they, they use it. They're smart about it. You know, they don't, they don't just, you know, they don't just run him in there mercilessly. You know, they, so they do, they're smart about it, but they, they scheme you up and they find some, some good advantages to get that extra blocker. I mean, they're not going to look like K-State, you know, but they, but they also, you know, it's something that you certainly have to account for because he's a dangerous athlete. Where have you seen him grow the most? Like, are you seeing it in terms of accuracy decision? Where have you seen uh, his growth manifest itself on the field? Yeah, you know, he just, he looks to me just overall more comfortable with what they're doing. And then I, I think because of that, I think you see the accuracy and decision making probably at a higher level than, than what it was. At least it looks that way to me from the outside. So he's... Uh, He's very much in control of what they're doing. Um, you know, they're doing a nice job running the ball, you know, well too, which is I think makes it easier for any quarterback. So he's playing well. What about Abdul Adams? The, he fumbled, then they say it wasn't a fumble. He never returns in the game. Is that your decision, Jay's decision? Do you have a policy about something like that? No, not a blanket policy. Um, it was we planned to play all three, and uh, when that happened, we decided to. We decided to go with when uh, we were going to play Rodney, and we decided to give Trey a little bit, and, and Trey was playing well and kind of got hot, and uh, so we ended up just kind of riding it out. Uh, similar to the Ohio State game, it wasn't a situation we were down on Abdul. I mean, it's it was just one where that happened. We decided, hey, let's let's let him settle down a little bit. Let's get those other guys a shot, and they they really never gave us a reason to take him out. Last night on your excuse me on your coach's show. I think it was the third quarter, you guys were taking some sacks, and you said, uh, I stink on this drive, or I stunk on this drive. Can you elaborate what, why you think you stunk on that drive, what you could have done better, what you wish you would have done differently? Um, oh, you know me, I don't get too much into why we do this or that scheme-wise, but I just I didn't feel like I put our guys in a very good position there with my play calls, you know, and it was a critical, critical time in the game. I think the one we're talking about is maybe after we got the turnover down there, I think. Um, and uh, well, we had we we had the drive down there that stalled in the turnover. I can't remember which one it was, but I didn't do a very good job in either one of them. So, you know, you gotta you know when you're playing good teams like that, you gotta make sure you're putting them in a good position. And we did most of the night, but didn't do a very good job there. You mentioned the offensive line didn't play well. How important this week? They're very good against the run. TCU, those guys bring the It'll be a huge huge part of this game. They're they're tremendous up front, and they. They do such a good job of, of mixing it up, always have. You know, they, he, he keeps those guys, you know, defensively. They're, they're really a moving target. You know, it's hard to zero in on anything. So, no, it'll be a big matchup, and they're, they're probably more talented there than, than what they've been in the last few years with the additions of some of these guys. So, yeah, it's, uh, you know, they're, they're as good, they're as good, their front seven's as good as anybody we've played easily. Look at all this line. You see a lot of, is there a mentality these guys got to have? Because they don't get a lot of recognition. Yeah, there's a lot. You know, I think uh, I think they've got to be self-motivated guys. You know, I, I think like you said, they're not always going to end up in the headlines. That's just the nature of the position. Um, they've got to be very tough-minded guys. You know, to play to do what we do, and 
to play for Bill, you, you've got to be able to you got to be able to handle it because he coaches those guys really hard. And uh, and I think they got to be really intelligent. I mean, with all the stuff you see this day and age, and on top of it, trying to go you know fast at times offensively, that they've got to really be able to process things quickly. Lincoln, how important has it been to string together long drives these last couple of weeks? I think you had the obviously the long one at Tech, you had the couple that were around six minutes, one that was close to seven minutes uh, on Saturday. Uh, it just seems like, especially, gives your defense a break. The way that y'all have been able to run the ball has been important. Yeah, no, I think you. I think to be a championship football team, you got to be able to do that. There's just situations that are going to come up, almost almost always in each game, but if not, certainly through many times throughout the season where you need to do it, and uh, and you got to be able to do it. And so uh, that's been we've been able to do that the last two years. That's been. A big key in us, you know, winning back-to-back Big 12 championships. And if we're going to do it again, it's we're going to need to be able to continue to do it the rest of the year. Lincoln, How will having Will Johnson the first half next week affect you, especially with Hoffman being out? Yeah, no, it's it, it's the depth there is a concern. I mean, it's it is. You know, we're going to be thin there. Uh, will has really been playing some good ball. You know, made probably the the biggest individual play of the whole game the other night with his pick down in the end zone. Uh, but. Again, the, some of those young secondary guys stepping up and playing well, uh, it was good. It was, in a way, good that they were able to do that some in that game. Probably helps prepare them for this game. How much does it help in, in recruiting if Baker were to win the Heisman? Because if you look at the last 18 years, that would be four OU quarterbacks that would have won. Oh, well, it, it, it doesn't hurt, you know. It's certainly individual things, uh, you know, help. Uh, you know, helps to continue to get our, our brand out there for people to see OU uh, even more than they already do coming across their TV or on social media or whatever it is. So is that going to individually make a decision for anybody? I don't know, but it does help, you know, it does help push the brand that you can come here and accomplish anything that you that you think is possible. On that targeting, uh, did you know what that rule was? Yeah, yeah, there's uh, – the way I've understood it, and, and I think it was applied correctly, was they, uh, it's not reviewable, but if there's something so egregious that they, they do give the official some leeway, if something is so obvious and egregious like that, that they can make almost kind of a common sense call, and, uh, which I don't, I don't disagree with. I mean, it was, it was the right call. I mean, in this day and age, what he did was targeting, and, uh, and it did. It clearly happened before the ball was picked off, and so you know, as much as I wanted it to go the other way, I I, I couldn't argue it. You know, we were more focused on just getting our guys in the right mindset that hey, when this thing gets overturned and they give them the ball back, we're going to go out and stop them again, and we did. How do you keep them hanging their head? In that moment, yeah, that moment you just yeah. I, you, I I don't know that it all happens in that moment. That's that's part of your preparation. Is is you know kind of our deal here has been. You know, to keep swinging no matter what. And so, if you're really about that, then even when those tough moments happen, you've got to be able to do it. And then our coaches and staff did a great job, and our, our players kind of. I was actually happy that it was such a long review because we were kind of able to get them up there and say, and we, and we told them, hey, this is going to be overturned. Not one guy's going to pout. Not one guy's going to throw their arms up in disgust. Nothing like that. We get a chance to go out there and play again and get after them again. And uh, and our guys had that mindset. Lincoln, under Coach Patterson. TCU is always known as a really good defensive team. Is there some way that he coaches it up? In other words, a scheme or something that he's noted for, or they just play good sound defense? Yeah, no, he's got a. He's just got a system that he he believes in. He's experienced with. He knows 
he knows every adjustment that he wants to make. Um, knows his personnel well. He's very hands-on with them. Um, you know, they're, they're they do a really they're they're unique. You don't play a lot of people like them, so it's. I don't know if I compare it to playing the wishbone, but it's but they're you just don't see something like them every week, and so that makes them a little more difficult to prepare for. And so he's, uh, yeah, and their guys are brought up in it. They play in the same system all the way through, and uh, they just they they do a lot of a lot of things. I think that make them good on defense for what we strive to do. You know, try to do here. What you know, we've I know offensively in my career, what we've strived to do is try to keep it the same and have a foundation that you build on and something you believe in. Secret about the fact that their success at Oklahoma State was reliant not necessarily on the defense, but how how they were able to control the football, running the running the football, uh, control the clock, uh, control the passing game, and just keep Oklahoma State on the sideline. Does that concern you at all? That you know you guys you got a guy, you got a lot of guys that like to get down the field, run tempo, score from from you know long touchdowns. Are they going to be patient? How do, how will you approach that? I think you just got to see how the game plays out, you know, because we've we've had the ability to chew up a lot of clock and do some things like that too. So yeah, I mean that's that, that'll be the matchup of, of the game, and uh, it'll be you know both teams are capable of doing it. Uh, both teams are also capable of stopping each other too. And so uh, yeah, I mean it's if you can get in position to do that and get ahead, I think they jumped up to a pretty decent lead uh, when they played Oklahoma State. We're able to do that. Uh, yeah, no, that's it, it could be a factor for either side, but uh, we would expect to be able to do the same thing uh, if we put ourselves in that position too. Do you have to, um, I don't know, temper your own expectations for, you know, and almost anticipate that they're going to do that, that they're going to slow things down, and you temper your own expectations as a play caller? Well, I mean, slowing things down only, only works if you're doing it well. I mean, you still, at the end of the day, we still got to move the ball and score points and put our defense in good position offensively and defensively. We've got to we've got we've got to get stops and we've got to keep them out of the end zone and we've got to limit their big plays. And so, I mean, all the strategies in the world, whether it's going fast or going slow, they all work if you play good. So, bottom line is, we got to play good. How much are you paying attention to the college football playoff ratings? Not not any. I found out the other day what we were ranked at my show just because they are at the radio deal at Rudy's because they just told me I don't pay attention to it at all. Was it good though to at least see you guys were ahead of Ohio State since you beat them? Yeah, it was just because you know I think the scheduling philosophy here for many years that that Joe and, and Coach had and and that I share with Joe now is is to be able to play great you know a great non-conference opponent each year. And if they, if we weren't ahead, then that was probably a conversation Joe and I were going to have to have that hey we got to. We got to look at this because it's you, you got to make sure that it's worth it, you know, if you're going to play somebody like that. And I thought they made the right decision and took the right stand by showing that it is worth it because that's that's one of the best things about college football is those marquee non-conference games. And so, uh, you know, if they're not being rewarded, then they're going to go away quickly. You said you, last week you don't want to have to campaign for your team to be in the playoff. If you do, the system's broken. You still feel that way this week? And not that everything's changed. But <coughs> If it comes out tonight, you guys are still fifth. I mean, uh, a lot going back to the BCS back yeah. in the '90s. A lot of coaches have campaigned over the years. Yeah, no, I mean I'm not saying I wouldn't, uh, but at the same time, I I'm very confident in this league and that you know that if we were to be able to take care of, of business in this league, that that would be all, all the statement that we would need. Does TCU dare you to throw deep? Is that they commit to the, seems like they commit stopping the run first and just 
see if you can beat them deep. At times, they, you know, he—he's just—he's one of the best at, at at mixing things up. You know, that's that's the thing that would I, to me that he's always done the best is you can't, you can't just sit there and have one answer against him. You know, he's going to find weaknesses and he's going to change up looks for the quarterback and for the play caller. Um, and and he's, he's just—he's always a moving target. And and but it's sound and it's. Uh, and they're doing it with really good football players, so you know that's what makes them tough. And I think I think anybody that you know what they're doing, playing and play out, if you know, if you got a good way to attack them, that's those are maybe a little bit can be a little bit easier at times as far as just how you want to attack them. Uh, he's always been one of the toughest to me. Lincoln, we asked players about if they look forward to going to certain matchups on the field, but is there something about you as an offensive mind that relishes going up against Gary Patterson? Um. I don't really think of it like that. Uh, I'll enjoy getting to see our group play against our group. Um, yeah, sure. I mean, the, the, I probably probably more just the our team against their team. Honestly, you know, they're a really good football team. I think we got a pretty good football team too. So, I'm probably more interested in just the whole matchup and excited about the chance to play them, chance to do it at home again, another night game, and and uh, in front of what should be a, a pretty rowdy crowd. Baker made a statement after his press conference challenging the fans to come out and make everyone erase the 2008 Texas Tech game. I guess for more reasons than one, he'd probably like that as well. Yeah, yeah. If I could erase that from my memory totally, I'd, I'd be, I'd be good. Um, yeah, no, the, the fans are going to be important. You know, I, fans can have just a, a, a big impact on the game. They can, and uh, and the, not just the people being there, but the energy level, the noise level, the excitement. Um, is a big deal. I realize we got to do something to get them excited too, but hopefully this team's done that over the last several weeks. You guys, a coach, would you rather a seven o'clock game than an eleven a.m. game? Yes. Yes. Why? Either way, home or away. I just uh, atmospheres are better. You know, even on the road, I'd rather it be seven o'clock. Um, atmospheres are better. You know, more people are watching, more recruits are watching. Um, you know. The only nice thing about the 11s is at times you get home a little bit earlier. The next week is doesn't feel like it jumps on you so quick, but it's hard to beat a you know prime time 7 p.m. atmosphere. What do you remember about the uh, 08 game? Oh, man, I've been asked that a bunch. Um, I remember getting our teeth kicked in. I remember jump around and it looked like 80 year old ladies just going crazy in the stands. I mean, it was just it was it was just. It was awesome. It was a great atmosphere. I was I was jealous of it, honestly. I mean, it was awesome. It was uh, it had a big impact on that game too. I can tell you that much. You guys put together a pretty big recruiting weekend for Tech when you had a prime time game. You tried to do something similar this week. We'll have we'll have some we'll have some pretty good ones in. Yeah, we will. We'll have a good group in. With the depth concerns at safety, how important is Robert Barnes going to be this week? And what can you say about his development, especially coming back from a broken leg before he got here and then the injury that he had earlier in the season? Yeah, and pretty impressive, you know, to overcome those two things. Uh, his development's been good. He's a mature kid. Uh, he's he's a smart player for, for being as young as he is, and he's gifted as well. So he's... He's got a chance to be a really good one. And uh, no, I think it was big for him to get in and, and make some plays the other night. And, uh, and and he's done a good job for Coach Bullware on special teams as well. So uh, his development's important, and he'll be a key piece for us. 
with Trey Brown and Trey, Trey Norwood, just the opportunity in front of them. How much do you think that'll really push them through practice this week? No, I think the, all those guys will be excited. You know, we're going to have great competition uh, at those spots this week, and I think, uh, you know, I think those guys are gaining some confidence from how they played, and, and then uh, I think, uh, you know, uh, I think our other guys are going to be hungry to play better. So uh, that's, you know, that's what you want: competition. You don't know how Jordan Thomas is. He's questionable. Yeah, we'll just his. We'll have to see how he progresses throughout the week. Fans like to obsess over play calling. Often coaches like to say that that's overrated. When you're talking about uh, Gary as a moving target, I mean, that's play to play, I presume. So is play calling overrated? And how about this week? How big an issue is that? Well, I think you got to have a you got to have a good plan. You know, you got to have a plan that that can you know, put the guys in position to do their best. You know, I, I don't know that the calls at certain times, you know, again, I, I've said before, I think there's a handful of plays throughout a game where what you call at the right time is is important um, and having a feel for, for your group and what you need at that time. But I still think the preparation, the game planning, all that is, is way more important in my opinion. Has it been much different for you calling plays as an assistant from a head coach? No, during the offensive series, I really don't feel any different. I don't have to click over and ask Bob to, if we want to go for it on fourth down, or if it's you know if it's if we got two downs here. I mean that so it's actually, in some ways, been a little bit a little bit easier, honestly, in a way to to be able to do that. It's it's a little different in between series. I've had to get you know some of the adjustments or some of the things we're seeing from up top. I I don't have as much time to spend with those guys, so we've had to be a little bit more efficient and change our routine a little bit there. But within series, it's it's felt like it always does. There's a decent chance these two teams could meet again in Arlington in three weeks. Mm -hmm. Does that affect this game at all, or is that something you worry about when you get there? Yeah, not. Nah, I, I we're worried about it. You know, when we get there. Yeah, I think it'll take it'll take all we got to to play well and and uh, give ourselves a chance to beat these guys. So we'll 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 throw everything we can at them, and I'm sure Coach Patterson will probably tell you the same thing. Jordan Thomas has two uh, nicknames for the two trays to tell them apart. I think I don't remember what they are, but uh, how do you guys tell them apart in practice when you're get, trying to get their attention? Uh, Trey Norwood and Trey Brown. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that they're like my kids. I can I can tell which one's which. Yeah, I don't I don't have a hard time telling that. Trey's a little Trey Norwood's a little bit longer, a little bit more slender. Trey Brown's a little bit shorter, a little bit a little bit more stoked up. So yeah, I don't have a hard time getting them apart. Mm -hmm. I just scream at Trey, and I, I figure one of them's going to look at me. <laughs> this has been the Sooner Sports Podcast. Make sure to get all the latest episodes online right now at Soonersports.tv slash podcast. And make sure to follow us on Twitter at OU on the Air.